I'm a booger. I'm a booger booger. I'm a booger. I'm a booger 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 booger. Thank you for downloading this episode of I'm a Booker Booker, a novel podcast about books and the people who write them. Cabin fever has started to set in as we spill over into the second half of the lockdown. Every day is Groundhog Day. You thought this would be the opportunity to write the great South African novel, but instead you spend hours reading COVID-19 worst-case scenarios, taking your temperature every seven minutes, and fixating on the rising number of worldwide infections. We're traveling into the heart of the lockdown to bring you I'm a Booker Booker, The Quarantine Chronicles, a short and sweet distraction from the pandemic, because what you need to do right now is relax, stay at home, and avoid the coronavirus like the plague. Author's lockdown. T minus nine. Just seven days. Oh, baby, I can make you a In just seven days, Frankenfurter can make you a man. But that's nothing. Because in just seven days, Melinda Ferguson can make you a man, you script. Melinda is a best-selling author a prized publisher, and she is also an unstoppable force. She has now produced Lockdown, The Corona Chronicles, written by 17 authors in seven days and published in 10. It's surely the fastest book from concept to publication. Each chapter is a story of life in lockdown, and they range from whimsical to wry, to profound, to inspiring, to heartbreaking, to hysterical. Melinda, before you explain how the hell you pulled this off, can you read us an extract? Sure, Jonathan. I'm going to read you um, something from the first chapter called Wounded Healers, which I wrote. Here we go. Darling, you need to get us some suicide pills, not toilet paper. I'm sobbing, stretched out prostrate. I'm a bit of a drama queen. My dude, who fortunately is a maverick shrink, thankfully not the Xanax or Secondal pushing kind, is a Virgo. He's also German. He's very stable. He's sometimes as serious as a heart attack. He never lies on the floor having tantrums. Nine, nine, nine. He looks concerned. Just get some, I wail. We don't have to use them right away. Just keep them somewhere safe. Because if this whole virus thing implodes, if it all goes Italy, if it all goes walking dead, at least we know we have a way out. It's the day after the president announces that South Africa is in a state of disaster. I'm a disaster. A week later, he will announce a nationwide lockdown. It sounds like some prison movie. Only my home is now my enforced polsmoor. I've been clean and sober for 20 years and six months. People often say, wow, you're so strong. They tell me I inspire them. Since I've kicked the smack, crack, and jack, I've written six books and published 45. I like to think of myself as a bit of an alchemist, channeling my addict energy into creativity. Early in the morning at 4 a.m. when I write, and it's just me and the sound of the birds, I sometimes think I'm godlike, the creator. I think all artists are. The fruits of my recovery are hung out for all to see. I've long ago restored my relationship with my beautiful sons who are now 21 and 23. I've got a brilliant life and thriving career. Order is my middle name. Control, my special gift. Now, as I lie on the carpet, the man I met five years ago on Tinder in a heady heady swipe right 
who is at present the only other human in this time of corona, pats my hand, strokes my forehead. My tears plop. He tells me I have beautiful eyes, but I can tell. Clearly, he thinks I'm losing it. That's the beginning, Jonathan. Wow. So, how the hell did you pull this off? <laughs> wow. I mean, uh, look, I think that the beginning of, when the state of disaster was declared, I really took it badly. I'd been very kind of flying high this year. Um, for the last few years, I've been like mounting and my wings have been really flapping. But this year, I formed a joint partnership, joint venture with NB Publishers, Media 24's like big publishing company. We had a big party. You know, I think you were there. I think somewhere along the, yeah, you were there. <laughs> I think you were. Yeah, I mean, I even if you were, I yes, I saw you there. So there was a big celebration and I think high expectations on myself that I put to sort of enter the 2020 in like this way that I was going to just be like, woo. And then suddenly everything just got shut down. And, and even though they didn't shut down everything on that state of disaster message, I could see it happening. My whole life rolled out in front of me and I just thought it's over. Like everything I dreamed of, everything I wanted, everything I planned, the books that I just um, printed, 4,000 of Eva Mazza, Sex, Sex, Lies, Declassified in the Warehouse, Nowhere to Go, Bookshops Closed, Festivals, Jewish Literary Festival, Friendship, Kingsmead. The list went on. My car journalist career, all the car launches cancelled. My air tickets lay in my inbox, you know. So I was just like, hey, I'm not going to fucking deal with this. It's, 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 it's so bad that I just actually want to go to bed, which I did. For two days, I lay in bed thinking, why did I even get clean? And I had some very dark thoughts. Not that I was going to go use, but just that there was nothing to get up for, which is quite sad for a workaholic. I think that's kind of what happened for me. So I'm backtracking a bit. And then something happened, and you'll see it in the first chapter of this book, so I'm not going to really expand on that. But a, a, like a light bulb mo moment happened for me where I just thought, you used to live your life just for today when you were in early recovery. You used to embrace the moment when you were grateful for the sky, for the you know piece of bread on the table. You've got to get back to the real. You've got to get back to your way that you once saved your life with when you were a junkie. And I just started thinking, you know what? We, we're in a position where we are um, so locked down, so inertiaed. If I don't do something, I'm actually going to go mad. And then what happened was I, my WhatsApp group, which I have with my authors, I'm probably one of the few publishers that has a, with 18 <laughs> authors in a WhatsApp group. I was talking to them about contracts and about where their books were and they couldn't get out. And Pumla Danelle Kola, my fabulous author of Rape, uh, Reflecting Rogue, the one who won, um, the one Pumla who won the, the, the Alan Payton Award in, the, in 2016, she casually said, hey, maybe one day we should all write a book on Corona. <laughs> and I went, that's it? That's <laughs> it? We're going to do that. And I, I, what I did next was quite funny because we tracked back the WhatsApps. And the next thing I said, you've got seven days. I need 1,200 to 4,000 words. You've got to do this. You've got to do the, the, the theme is lockdown. The theme is Corona. Go. Who's in? And everybody came on and said, me, me, me. And it was like, okay. And it started happening. So tell us about some of the other stories and the, the authors behind them. 
I'm so, I've got, as I mentioned, Pumla Dinaikola. She's Professor Pumla. She's Dr. Pumla. She's probably my most, like, you know, highly crowned author in my stable. She's written a fantastic piece on corona and class and the disparity, of course, in this country, not so much on a racial level, but of a class level. It's a very incisive, well thought out in Pumla kind of style of interrogation into class, owning herself as a middle-class person in this country, as a a black middle-class woman who's got plenty, who's got fridges full of food, and then just looking at how this virus is separating this country so strongly now than ever into the the, the kind of disparity between classes. That's Pumla. And then I've got the fabulous Ben Travato, who is just hilarious. <laughs> ben, Ben is like so politically incorrect. He's so like he's everything incorrect. He's he's so <laughs> not worried in a way, whether he has to be homophobic or race. What he's not racist ever, thank God. But it's it's it, he has a way of sending up everybody of poking fun at the whole of the country, and then mostly he does it to himself. Um, So he's just written this feast of countdown to lockdown. (laughs) As things are, you know, getting more and more extreme and everyone's panicking more, and then he's finally in lockdown and he's sitting in his little, little flat in Fishhook, and he's been told he can't even exercise. So he's, he's, he's thinking of lifting his bicycle above his head and trying to do kind of push-ups with his bicycle. And, and so he's just, I mean, I can't even describe how funny he is because one has to actually read him. Um, I've also got Letsejo Zulu, who wrote um, I Choose to Live, about her husband, Gugu Zulu, dying on Kilimanjaro. And she's written a very practical piece, like Letsejo is, about I refuse to be stressed. And she just writes about how she's not going to get stressed and how she's been through stress in her life. Lindiwe Hani, being Chris Hani's daughter author, um, she's also a recovering addict. And she speaks also in a way, in a very dramatic way of thinking everything's falling apart. And then the spirit of her father starts emerging during the piece and 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 she she deals with that in a very unexpected way um, in a way that I don't think people will expect because her whole relationship suddenly is that she feels like her father is trying to take someone close to her to the other side so it's quite eerie in a way it's not what you would expect her to be sort of celebrating her father she's rather fearing that her father might be about to take someone she loves away from her so those are four do you want no. me to tell you more? I do, but I'm, I'm, I, I think people should rather go and download the book. Where can they get it from? So, Jonathan, I decided to obviously publish it as an e-book because there's nowhere else you can actually do anything. The printers are closed. The bookshops are closed. The distributors are down. So uh, people can buy it actually across quite a few different reader, uh, e-reader kind of platforms. Amazon, obviously. I think it's 107 rand. Um, I try to make it 99 rand, but the dollar is just bashing us. So now it's 107. Maybe tomorrow it will be 150. So um, then yeah. yeah, today a Kobo is fantastic at 77 bucks, which is amazing. I don't know how they priced it, but I'm very happy. And then take a lot loot. All of those um, kind of distributors who have e-reader kind of capacity is there a volume two they're also all rolling out this week is there a volume two and when is it coming out on sunday 
Jonathan, I don't know if we should have Sunday. I don't know if we should have this conversation, but you you will you will actually fall over. I today I started commissioning volume two and I actually am gonna ask you if you will contribute. <laughs> no, I'm not even joking. I didn't, okay, I didn't I, want to I, I, Yeah, no, for sure I, I will. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> want to put you in a position, but I actually just before you came on, I thought Jonathan, I also need Jonathan. So I've got Fred Kumalo. I've got Dudu Busani, I've got Melusi Shabalala, I've got Craig Higginson, uh-huh. I've got Pumla again, I've got Ben again. Um, so I've got a list that is growing by the minute. I'm phoning Nick and Plongo in Berlin just now. Um, the feeling that authors want to actually be involved is just beautiful. Chris Roper's doing it, Jonathan Anser's doing it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the next one is going to be a little bit more selective on my side in terms of wanting to have a, a, a kind of a different, and Marion Times doing it, a, a different editorial look in terms of a more diverse, and I'm not just talking about a kind of racial breakdown of authors. I'm talking about an experiential thing, and I think we're more deeply in lockdown here now than we were when the other book got written. Wow. So I'm thinking of three weeks. You've got 10 days. Um, this one time you've got three more days than the others got. <laughs> what other books in your stable are due out this year, sort of print books that, oh. that you've got coming out? Oh, my darling. So Eva Mazza's Sex Lies Declassified. Last year, my Sex Lies and Stellenbosch book was my bestseller of the year. That was a fiction um, hers is waiting in the warehouse, literally to be uh, unloaded and sent to bookshops. That's a frustrating book that I'm sitting with at the moment. I printed 4,000 copies. They're waiting. And then my new revised edition of Smacked and wow. Hooked, the 20th, uh, 20-year clean and sober edition. They're coming out next month um, as e-books and print books when as soon as we can. I've got an incredible book by Sam Cowan. We call, called Brutal School Ties, The Parktown Boys Tragedy. That's just been sent to the editor. Um, that's by Sam Cowan. That's going to be, I think, quite a phenomenal book. I know it is because I've read it, um, about the whole sexual predator, the, the drowning of, um, of, of the young boy, of the 13-year-old boy who died this year on an initiation camp. That's a, a big book. Pumla, Pumla Dinerkola is writing me a book called Female Fear Factory on gender-based violence. I've got a brilliant new book coming from Helena Creel, who wrote The Year of Facing Fire. That's called Meditating with Ryan. So I've got a, such a full list this year, and it's just about when we're going to be able to actually print these books. You mentioned that you you'd been you've been clean for twenty years and six months, and you know mm. I, I think it was in September or it was on the last day of September. You had no money, no hope, no job. All you had yeah. was a seven-year yeah. heroin and crack cocaine addiction, and you decided yeah. to get clean. And you know you talk about all all, all the all your accomplishments in the last twenty years and six months. Do you ever reflect on where you've come from? <laughs> Almost every day, Jonathan, I think I sometimes wonder if I'll ever leave that place because it was so traumatic. It's like blueprinted, imprinted in my soul. And yeah, I mean, I find my identity so deeply embedded in that kind of girl who lost her mind and fell into a homeless pit of desperation. 
I think it actually propels me out of um, bad spaces quite quickly because I always remember, like even now during Corona, I keep thinking, oh, please, man, this is nothing compared to what you've been through. Like when you really were down and out and you were withdrawing and you were desperate and you were homeless, this is child's play. So, yeah, I mean, it's a big reference point to me. My, My world is tinged by that time and I don't think I'll ever actually escape it and maybe I don't really want to. I probably don't want to because it's a very good learning space that I went through that allows me to be very driven, very energized. I've got an amazing amount of energy at the moment. It seems like the corona time, you're either going to lie down and die or you're going to get up and fight. So I think for me at the moment, it's about putting all my fighting gear on and making things, making, making, making things until, yeah, until this thing goes and changes whatever it's going to change. And now we're going to tap into your deep, dark subconscious and administer (laughs) sound effects. Rorschach test. That sounds like some. Um, that sounds like some extraterrestrial message telling us that Corona is um, somewhere being sent from some other planet. <laughs> that actually reminded me of Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, and that was a very threatening movie for me. The Birds, I, I, I must say, changed my whole outlook towards birds. I never quite know if they're coming to pick my eyes out or not (laughs) well that just sounds like someone laughing and what are they laughing at probably me (laughs) (laughs) me because I'm so insane that they're going oh you really think this is making a difference (laughs) you're going to work yourself to the bone (laughs) I mean one of my big fears is that I suddenly get the virus I don't know how because I haven't left the house for a long time and I'm starting to become quite agoraphobic I feel like sometimes maybe I will never leave my house again. And that feeling is a weird feeling. It's, a, it's, it's like quite a, it's quite a weird feeling, I think, that we're all in a way having at the moment in different ways. That I, I feel like the impulse to actually leave my home is becoming more and more distant and more and more, in a sense, threatening. And I don't really like this. I don't think it's healthy to be feeling like leaving your home is going to kill you. You know, I'm wondering a lot about people who've got some serious mental disorders and mental illnesses. How are they actually coping at the moment? Alone, isolated, maybe without some of their medication. I mean, it's, 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 I'm trying to make light of a lot of this, but sometimes when I let my mind think about the suffering and the people who are hungry, the people that are struggling and starving and freaking out, I am overwhelmed by a sense of just pain and tragedy actually okay that's definitely like reminding me of being on an acid trip in a fun fair where there are weird dwarves and roundabouts and merry-go-rounds and everything's getting faster and faster and the drugs aren't working anymore <laughs> thank you so much melinda lovely chatting Thank you for listening to Amabuka Booker, the Quarantine Chronicles, live from the lockdown. 
You can subscribe to I'm a Booker Booker on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a Booker Booker is produced by Jonathan Anser and Dan Dews and brought to you by Books Live in collaboration with Multimedia Live. Authors who would like to be featured, email jonathan.anser at gmail.com. I'm a Booker.